Super 32 is in the books, folks, which means it's time to start planning for the Spartan Combat Nationals coming back to Jacksonville, Florida this April 8th through the 10th. Wrestle Beach, Folkstyle, Freestyle, and Greco at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. Where it's really helped me is if things are going bad and whatever I'm doing or they're not going my way, I still believe that I can win. I'm not just going to keep going. I still think I can win. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is two-time NCAA Division II champion Kyle Evans. Kyle was also a four-time All-American for the University of Central Oklahoma, or UCO as it's known. Really enjoyed this conversation. Hope you do as well, folks. Fan of the week goes to Jesse Cross, who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And Jesse's review says that me and my six-year-old son love listening in the car on the way to and from wrestling and football practice. Keep up the good work. Jesse, thank you so much for the kind words. And thank you to everyone who's tuning into this episode. Love doing these podcasts. And we have many more to come. So let's give it up for Kyle Evans. Peace. Kyle Evans, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Good to be here, man. Appreciate it. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm hearing, well, technically it's, it's Guthrie, Oklahoma, but basically kind of North, North Edmond, North of Oklahoma city. And you're in the sales business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was in a well, medical for a while and then left and got into coaching. And then now I'm in, I'm in dental. So kind of back in the healthcare. I'm in sales myself. Talk about it all the time on this show. So the listeners know, but big fan of wrestlers going into sales. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, parallel things with it which i didn't i didn't really appreciate until maybe the last couple of years but it there's a lot of similarities in them that's for sure and do you still coach at all now at like a youth or a high school level uh no i've done some youth stuff um not not a ton just it's kind of hard to commit to it i mean any it is any any level of wrestling coaching i mean it's a it's a big commitment man so i haven't really done it much i've done a couple like prep, you know, camp type deals for some different things, but nothing too, too outrageous. Yeah. I mean, even like a Tuesday or Thursday night, like who wants to go spend five to 8 PM at a gym after working all day, you know, you look oh, back I'm... at the coaches who did it. You're like, man, they, they, that's a big sacrifice. Oh, it's huge. Like I know, uh, well, I know you had a hard Del Moore on here. Yeah. I saw and He's done it for like 20 years and he did it before he had kids for years and years and years. And, and I mean, summers and weekends and nights, I don't, I don't know how he's done it. He's, it's pretty amazing really. Yeah. The weekdays is just the practice, obviously the all day at those tournaments that'll mm-hmm. wear you out, man. <laughs> those yeah. are long days. They are, they are. But I mean, you watch the kids wrestling. Now I watch some of the super 32 stuff. It's amazing how good these Ooh. kids are now from coaches doing that. Yeah. That, it just a caliber of coaching they've been exposed to from a young age has really increased drastically over the years. And yeah, I mean that super 32, that was never even a tournament that I was like aware of growing up. Was it for you? No, no. The only thing we really had was um, like Fargo was your big one. That mm-hmm. was the, the big thing. Then they had senior nationals. Um, yeah. And then there was like beast of the East and Reno and some things like that during the year, but none of that 
that I remember or ever heard of any preseason stuff like that. It was mainly Fargo and, you know, some of those big Iron Man beasts, those type of things. Yeah, the NHSCA Senior Nationals, I forgot about that. That was huge back in the day for folk style season. Yeah, yeah that was a big one, man. You'd see some some crazy things. I've seen some brackets from there that were just absolutely insane. Um, but other than that, they didn't have any of like the Super 32s or any of that that I remember. And I, I didn't watch any of the middle school division, but just from following some tweets and some Instagram accounts, people are saying what we're saying about the high school guys, about the middle school kids now because they're so developed. Like, if you think back to our, you were a little bit older than me, but our era, the big middle school tournament I can think about was Tulsa. That had to be huge for you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, uh, (laughs) I went to that maybe my first or second year wrestling, not really knowing what I was getting into. I mean, that is, they come from everywhere for that. Yeah. I mean, almost every state almost represented. I mean, it's, it was absolutely insane. Big hundred plus kid brackets. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, my mom, my brother, and my best friend and I went out to that. We were in eighth grade, good in our state, but like nowhere near a national ranking. My mom wasn't a coach. We went out there. We went one and six. My buddy broke a wrist, drove back with a broken wrist. We were just like in awe about of of how good everyone was. But then you look back to the kids you were wrestling, and you know they they did pretty good after. But yeah, that was a barn burner back in the day. Yeah, and you wouldn't always. It was kind of pre-internet when I went to, so you wouldn't even know who some of these kids were unless you were really into it, you know, until you got them. And then, you know, you're walking off the map bleeding and broken because you didn't know who they were. But it's uh, it's an impressive tournament. That's the worst part, though, right? You didn't know if the kid was like nationally <laughs> ranked or like a three-time Oregon State champ. You, for all you know, you just went 0-2 and, and you're rethinking uh, your life goals as an eighth grader. Yeah, I got uh, I got hammered out there several times, so I can relate to that. So you, when you started wrestling initially, you were out in Kansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we lived in Kansas and I wrestled out there for about a year. Um, and I actually, I quit. I wasn't real into it. I wasn't very good to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I got back into it was my dad got transferred down to Oklahoma and we were just kind of looking at houses to buy. And I saw a bunch of kids with wrestling pictures and I thought, well, it might be a good way to to meet people. So that's kind of how I, I got into it. Yeah, I did start in Kansas. And once you got back into Oklahoma, was there like a noticeable difference between the, the Kansas wrestling and the Oklahoma wrestling? Yeah, there was. Um, but I was, I mean, I started at that novice level anyway, but it was, it was interesting because one of the kids in my class who I ended up wrestling with at UCO, he was like one of those kids you talk about that was like at Tulsa nationals, just killing everyone, winning every tournament. And he was my size. And so I had to practice with him. So it seemed like an even bigger jump than I was already prepared for just because he was on such a different level than me at that time. Was he laying it on you pretty good back then? Oh my God. He was killing me, man. He'd <laughs> run my, my arm over my head and it was just, it was brutal. He used to beat me up all the time. And did you still go to like tournaments every week? And even though you weren't really in love with it in Kansas, once you moved to Oklahoma? Yeah, we, uh, but you know, they have the, the novice, like if you've done it less than two years and then they had the open divisions too. So, I mean, it wasn't That's as nice. bad because I was wrestling kids kind of my own experience level that first year. Um, the next year is where it got rough when I made that jump to that open division, but we still went to a lot of tournaments. I mean, I, I wasn't like amazing, but I, I got, I picked it up fast enough to where I could place at most of just, you know, the regular turns we had around here and win a couple. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible until like, you know, the big, like the USJOCs and the Tulsa Nationals where you really saw kids coming from everywhere. And who were your coaches as a kid? Uh, so Randy Zellner, um, I was pretty fortunate. He was a national champion at UCO. And so he was my little league coach. And then uh, a guy named Hardell, well, yeah, Hardell, he kind of helped a little bit as I got older. So probably middle school, I do some of the middle school practices and then still go to the, what was the Edmund Y back then. Um, I think before it even became the general. So I'd work out with him some. And then uh, I had Rick Bollenbach was my high school coach and he was a national champion at UCO too. So I've, I've been pretty fortunate, you know, with central Oklahoma being Edmund, a lot of those guys coach around here. So it was kind of a nice fit. Yeah. So UCO for folks in the Midwest, I had never heard of it until I went down the rabbit hole for the Smith's documentary. But if you look at their tradition, you know, a division two power, give us a little background on, on UCO, where it's at and in the culture there. Yeah, so 
it's it's a division two schools and i moved up to division two kind of a unique fact that not a lot of people know and, and you might check me on this because i haven't looked i don't know if Wartburg or grandview or maybe any of them have caught them by now but at one point as far as national champion in any division so at one point they had the third third most national titles of any college program out there um i think they had like a 20-year run of not placing outside the top three. Um, so really a traditionally really, really strong program. Um, they, I believe, are still the only non-Division one school to place in the national duels back when you could actually, like, Division two and NAIA schools could wrestle in Dang. the national duels. So they beat uh, – they got seventh, and I think they might have beat Michigan. I can't remember, but it was – they beat some pretty good schools out there. That story has to be legend at UCO. The year they went to the uh, national duels and took out Michigan. Yeah, they got beat by Penn State first round, and then I can't remember they beat a couple. And the only reason I want to say Michigan is because I remember one of the guys uh, wrestled Sean Borme. Yeah, when he was there, and so he Borme won. But I just remember that being one. So I want to say they beat Michigan for seventh and eighth. But you might get some Michigan alum saying that's. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember, but I want to say it was like ninety four, ninety five, somewhere in that time frame. I could see Miles Amin Dad getting ready to send me a little Twitter message right now as he hears. Yeah, that. so I'm not I'm not saying with 100 certainty. I know they wrestled Michigan out there. I don't know if they won or not. I can't remember. But I know they took seventh out there. So just like Wartburg is huge in Iowa, UCO is real big in the Oklahoma wrestling community at, at the high at, at the net net. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's probably a pretty similar deal. Um, for the long time, longest time, it was basically OU, OSU, UCO. There was no NAIA schools or. There wasn't a junior college school until NEO kind of reinstituted theirs. Uh, Baycone, I guess, has been around for a while in Muskogee, but it was kind of those were the main three you thought of. No JUCO in Oklahoma? Not for the longest time. There was a Rose State had one years and years ago. Um, but until at least from when I was a kid, until I got out of college, there was no JUCOs I know of until uh, Renfro went and started that NEO program. I don't know how long ago that was, seven years ago, six years ago. They had a program, they canceled it for years, and then he came back and kind of reinstituted it with them. It's like the cradle of wrestling. You would think there would be JUCOs all over the place snagging up all that talent. Yeah, the NEO had one, and they canceled it because there was some guys that transferred from there. But for a long time, there was no JUCOs that had one that I knew of around here. And at UCO, the coach was Ronnie James? Is that right? No, uh, Dave, David James was the head coach. Ronnie was his younger brother. He helped for a couple years, but uh, Ronnie coached Pat and Mark Smith and them at Dell City. He was the Dell City's high school coach for 25 years or something like that. Yeah, that's how I found out about UCO is with the Smiths going down the rabbit hole there at Dell City. You see that the James brothers keep popping up. And so finally you just click on an article and like they were a legendary family of, of wrestling brothers in their own right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they both were four-time All-Americans. Uh, DJ, who was the head coach, he won nationals twice. And then Ronnie won it three times and was actually going for his fourth and got beat in the semis his senior year and ended up coming back and taking third, which wow. to me is pretty impressive because he was going for his fourth. So, And it was they are, Edmund was hosting at UCO, was hosting nationals, so it was at home. And I thought just to have the fortitude to come back and get third after something like that is pretty impressive. Especially as a senior when you're pretty much done anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, he, I think he got beat in the quarters. I'm pretty sure he beat that guy for third and fourth too. was the crazy thing. Wow. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, so David James was your head coach. What was his, was he still coaching when you were there? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was coaching when I was there and then he actually hired me to be the assistant for a couple of years um, when I went back and coached, but he was, he was the head coach the whole time I was there and he's a, uh, uh, it was interesting getting to wrestle for him. He's quite the quite the character and, and quite the legend. Really, really well respected in wrestling circles. So it was it was pretty awesome wrestling for him. When you say quite the character, does he have uh, some unique approaches to his coaching philosophy? He he was just he was real old school. So he was all you know hard nosed, tough mentality. But he had this really good way of like when things were tense or there was a lot of pressure, just kind of making you laugh. And taking you know things off of it i remember when we were we were i was coaching him at the time but we were getting ready for regionals and then we were in the locker room and everyone was kind of you know tense and tight and he's like you guys feeling some pressure and they're like yeah and he's like pressure 
this isn't pressure. Pressure's getting dropped off in the jungle with a knife and everyone else has a gun. That's pressure, you know, <laughs> just random crazy sayings like that. But he, uh, yeah, he was just real to the point and simple and basic and just, you know, hard nose. And he just had a really good way of motivating you, even in some pretty difficult situations. And were a lot of the guys in those teams, Oklahoma guys or recruited from out of state? I would say, I'm trying to think my junior year, when we won nationals, nine of the 10 guys were from Oklahoma. So like, there's no like roster limits in division two, at least when I was wrestling. So you could have 50, 60 guys, whatever. But I would bet if we had 40 guys on the team, probably 35 of them were Oklahoma kids. I mean, that was basically all we were was, was Oklahoma kids. And occasionally we'd have some Kansas or, you know, maybe a Nebraska, Colorado, Texas surrounding area. But for the most part, it was all Oklahoma kids. Yeah. I got to imagine that's like, you know, there's so many good kids in Oklahoma state and O and OU are such a, just such a rare percentage of people get to that point. Um, there's so many wrestlers in Oklahoma, right? So I imagine ECO picking up a lot of them, a lot of those studs. Yeah. And that was the thing. And, and I think maybe it's changed a little bit now, but it, it used to be the the thing was Oklahoma kids didn't really like to leave the state. So you didn't like Dwight Henson was like one of the only ones I kind of remember really taking off and going somewhere back then. But usually if you weren't going to go to OU, OSU, you ended up at UCO. I mean, that was kind of the way it went. And, you know, it, it's changed a little bit, but I mean, it was all Oklahoma kids for years and years and years. I don't know if you remember the name Ray Miller, but he wrestled yeah. at Smith in the finals. Dude, he's from yeah. Oklahoma and he went to Arizona State. That was that was yeah. one of the ones that a, a, an Oklahoma national champ for another school. Man, that's rare. Yeah, yeah, I, I, he is one that uh, I think he's from maybe Marlowe or something like that or Duncan or one of those the areas down there. But I do I do remember that. But him and Henson are kind of the only ones I really can remember is just. They just stayed in Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know what it is, but that's just kind of how it was. It's God's country out there, man. That's right. it's a, it's a nice place. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about your, your career. So in high school, solid career, two-time placer. I think you won it your senior year, right? Yeah. So I got, uh, I actually got fourth, third, first, um, my freshman year, I was too small. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to regionals, but I only weighed like 85 pounds. So I ended up not, not qualifying, but I got beat my sophomore and junior year by the same guy he ended up being a four-timer in the semis both times and he went to Purdue and wrestled and then I took like a huge growth spurt and finally won it my senior year in Oklahoma how many divisions are there for the high schools there is four three eight four eight five yeah there's four divisions in Oklahoma so it's it's uh for not a super populated state it does kind of have a lot of divisions but that's just that's how they've done it as long as I can remember and the dude who beat you was a four-time champ yeah, he was a four-timer, and then uh, I think he was maybe the first four-time Geary champ, too. So is, that, he, is that a school? or No, the Geary tournament, the big Geary tournament they have, um, you know, they don't seed it, so that's like the big thing is they just throw you in there and what you get is what you get. So I know he won that four times, but he, uh, yeah, he ended up going to Purdue. He was just very, very solid, man. He never made a mistake ever, so he was very hard to beat. That's another kid who went out of state. That's pretty crazy for a four-timer to leave, you know? Yeah, I think uh, he was – I want to say he wrestled his senior year at 112 or 119. Uh, um, so he's a little bit smaller. But, yeah, I was I was surprised. I mean, he went out, I mean, a Big Ten school too. So And he stayed there the whole time. So he was uh, – he had some good wins. I think he was maybe just a little bit smaller, you know, because he didn't grow as much. Right. And obviously a one-time state champ tremendous accomplishment in the great state of Oklahoma and multiple times on the podium. Is that enough to get a call from OU or OSU or that's not on their radar? So it's funny you say that. So no, I wasn't very heavily recruited at all. Um, But like I said, there wasn't, it was like pre-internet really. I mean, it was around, but it wasn't like it is now, you know, and if you didn't place at Fargo, you didn't get a lot of attention. So Jack Spates did call the school my junior year and asked for my number because we'd gone out to that Reno tournament of champions and I got fourth out there. Mm -hmm. He called and got my number, but I never heard from him. And then the next year we went to Reno, I actually medically defaulted in the corner in the quarters. So I didn't have like a ton of exposure. You know, I didn't place at Fargo or any of those things. So I really wasn't recruited by any division one schools at all. 
and really not many division two schools. I mean, maybe two, three called me. Um, so it was kind of, but I mean, I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to be at ECO. All my coaches had gone there. I mean, it was, it was where I wanted to be. So it worked out. And your high school coach had even put together a highlight tape and sent it out to some colleges as well, right? Yeah, we sent it five schools. Uh, we sent it to Fort Hayes State, University of Central Missouri, Nebraska Kearney, and Nebraska Omaha. And the only ones that called back were UCO and Fort Hayes. And I'm not so sure. My mom went to Fort Hayes, so I'm not sure if they just saw that she was an alumni and called me back just to be nice or what. But, uh, yeah, I went to the visit at UCO, and, and that's where I wanted to be. So I just called Hayes and said, uh, you know, I'm thank you, but you know, no, thank you. So. And when you were going through what, what era is this like 2000, 2000. Uh, so I graduated Oh three. So Oh three to 08 is when I was at UCO. And is this also when UNO is having their great dynasty run? Yeah. So they, uh, I'm trying to remember how it went. They won it. My true freshman year. They won it two or three years in a row. And then we won it, and then Carney won it, and then I think they maybe won it another two or three in a row after that. But yeah, it was right in the middle of them. Like you know, Todd Manili was there, and and Cody Garcia, and all those guys. It was right when they were really clicking on all cylinders. How strange is it that Nebraska is one of the you know least productive states in terms of Fargo All Americans and Division One high school All Americans, but they have two division. Well, they used to have two Division Two powerhouses right in the same state. It's so crazy to me how it ended yeah. up there. Yeah, it was wild because, uh, I mean, Travell Delegnib was at Kearney when I was there, too. And, I mean, yeah. you talk about seeing someone get better in a short amount of time. Like, it was amazing how good he got, how fast. It was It was wild. But, yeah, two really good programs that, I don't know, they were they were both really, really tough. So, it was uh, it was fun, but there was no love loss between any of the schools, I promise you. Was there any big dual meets or was it all at tournaments you guys would meet up? No, we were wrestling them all the time. Um we would duel each of them in the year, whether we went there, they came to us. Uh, we would usually see one or both of them at national duels. And then we went to a, several of the same opens, you know, Nebraska Omaha had a huge open tournament. Oh, yeah. Often brand. Yeah. Everybody went to, um, I mean, you want to get an eye opener for college wrestling, walk into that as an 18 year old kid and see the Paulsons and, Mark Perry and all these guys walking around and just is it was brutal um did you go to it as a true freshman yeah I went uh my true freshman redshirt freshman and then the third year my sophomore year we went and then after that we started to go into the Missouri Open so I went I went three times to it and the Missouri Open's no joke either no I wrestled some pretty good kids there too I mean it was a I wrestled actually some you're from Illinois right yeah I wrestled some Illinois kids there um and some, you know, different division one kids. So it was, it was tough, man. When I'd heard that, you know, and this is just from an article when you got inducted to the hall of fame, that your dad was a little worried about you going to UCO because they were so loaded. And so yeah. how did you take that? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was saying it, not thinking I would ever do well. Um, but at the time we didn't know what weight I was going to go at either. And so we really thought I was going to be a maybe 25, 33 pounder. And the reason he said that was that they had Cole province who was going for his fourth national championship. So we knew that wasn't going to be an option. They had a returning national champion at 125, and behind him, they had redshirted him and behind him. They had a runner up at the same weight that had got second the year he redshirted. Oof. So it wasn't looking and they just got a three time state champ. Uh, from Tuttle, Oklahoma at 33 as well. And they were getting a JUCO national champion. So it was just really stacked. And he didn't know, you know, he's just kind of looking at it as a dad, like, well, maybe you'll get in the lineup. Maybe you won't. Maybe you have to wait a couple of years, but you could maybe go to this school and, and get in a little bit quicker. Um, but I ended up growing a little bit and it all worked out. But yeah, he was he was wondering if, if it would be a good choice. We didn't know if I'd ever get in there or not. And you, you break in the lineup, and I heard that after you All-Americaned your redshirt freshman year, that was the big turning point for you in terms of, like, self-belief and, and your training and your habits. Yeah, it um, you, you're just – you're young when you get to college, and you're kind of dumb, and, and everyone wins a state title, you know, or most people that go to college. So you think you got it figured out, and you learn you really don't know 
anything. And I kept trying to do things my way. Um, and just like, I'll do this. This is how I want to do it. And, and after that red shirt freshman year where I got sixth, um, it, it at least let me know that I could do it, that I, I belong with those guys. And so maybe I should, I should change the way I was doing things. And I had a coach at the time tell me that you only get four opportunities at this. And I'd already blown one of them. Um, so it just really changed the way I went about things. And I started looking at how some of these other guys that I wanted the success they had, but I wasn't doing the things they were doing. And it, it just really changed. I got a lot more serious about, you know, my diet, the way I trained, the workouts. Um, and it, it did. It changed a lot for me after that that year. So are you celebrating the sixth or was that a major disappointment? No, I was pumped. I was yeah. happy. Um, the The only downside was uh, because, I mean, I wasn't ranked. I hadn't done anything. Um, and I lost first match that year at nationals. So I actually wrestled the defending national champ in the blood round to place. So it was like a total freak deal that I, I made it through. Um, the only downside was I had said, you know, like we hadn't been outside the top three or top four in like 20 plus years. And we got 11th. So we had... We had five All-Americans, but none of them got higher than fifth. And mm. so, I mean, we were really young. So, like, some of us, our younger guys were happy. But overall, it was kind of like a dark cloud deal because we hadn't been that low in a long time. And how long after that did the changes kick in for you, the training uh, and the eating? Almost immediately, to be honest with you. Um, which part of it was kind of, you know, how things work out. There was a lot of people that graduated at my weight. Um, and so that opened it up quite a bit as well. The only guy that didn't was the, actually the defending champ from that year, but everything else opened up. So, I mean, it really, it, it, it happened pretty quick. I mean, I had a pretty good summer working out and training and just, I came back with just a different belief and a different mindset, but ironically, I lost a ranking match in the bronze and blue the, that next year when I came back. So it kind of had to recenter me a little bit, but. Isn't that the craziest thing? Right when you're on the cusp of making a big change, you always get set back just one more time to see if you really got it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just, I'd actually, I'd lost to him the year before in a ranking match too. So it was even more disappointing. I was like, I just, just can't beat this guy for anything, man. But, uh, it ended up, it ended up working out, but yeah, it was uh, one of those deals. I'd done all this work and then I got beat in a bronze and blue match. And I thought, yeah, this might've been all for nothing, but we went to the opens and got some outside competition and, and, it, it worked out how it should have. So when you were really in the thick of it, what was your training regimen? Oh, so, I mean, it was really boring, man. So I couldn't, I had to be pretty consistent. Like I couldn't have a lot of variables in it. So, I mean, usually I ate the same things every day. So that was a big thing for me was getting my weight under control. Cause I mean, I'm not like a huge muscle guy, but I was, I was five, nine. So I was kind of tall for the weight, you know, at 41 or whatever. So getting my weight down was probably the toughest. So I, it was boring. I mean, I ate the same thing every day. I get up, I go to class. I'd usually try to get a lift twice a week. Um, just enough. Cause I mean, we had duels, like we wrestled a lot of matches. I mean, I, know, I think it's kind of changed a little bit now, or maybe guys don't have quite as many matches, but we'd go to opens every weekend for those first, you know, three, four weeks. And then we'd have duels usually Tuesdays, maybe Thursdays, maybe we were traveling, maybe we weren't. Um, and so I try to lift twice a week and then go to practice. But what, what really helped me a lot was just this really, really small thing. And this seems stupid. So I'm sure it was more mental than physical, but after every practice, I would, um, I just go get on the airdyne bike, no matter how hard the practice was or how, you know, light it was that day. And I just do seven minutes on it. And so it kind of like trained my mind to say, no matter what's going on, I can still go seven minutes. And I, I think that helped me more than anything. Yeah, that's just the mental tricks you tell yourself. And I, I'm curious, how did you get out of that kind of low point after you lost the bronze and is it the bronze and blue match or the, uh, the inner squad match you had mentioned? Cause I mean, yeah. geez, you, you're serious all summer and then you lose the, the wrestle off. It's like, how'd you not regress and just kind of throw in the towel at that point? Well, yeah. And I mean, I kind of, you know, I was a whatever all American. So I was kind of thinking maybe I was better than I was at the time, but, um, Coach James was real good about, he'd always say the best thing about wrestling is if you want to change things, go out and do it the next match. And so we did wrestle quite a bit. So, I mean, I want to say I lost on the bronze and blue on maybe like a Tuesday and we had a tournament Saturday. 
So I had, I mean, you know, three days of kind of going, wondering what was going on. And then I had an opportunity to go fix it that Saturday. And so we went to the central Missouri open. We were in the same bracket and I mean, I ended up winning it and I don't know if he placed or not, but basically the thing was, it just, it doesn't take long with wrestling. If you want to fix something short of losing in the national finals or whatever, I mean, you don't have to wait too long to try to correct things. And so it was a pretty quick turnaround just because I had an opportunity to fix it. So I had to go do something about it. And was your, was your guys' practice one of like a John Smith style where it's a lot of drilling, wrestling live for about 20 minutes, or were you guys going live most of the practice? No. So when, when I got there, we were still wrestling a lot of live. I mean, he would break stuff down and we would do techniques, but it was basically like, we'd maybe say it was a two hour practice. We'd warm up. We'd maybe do 40, 50 minutes of drilling technique. And then maybe, you know, 35, 40 minutes of wrestling live, depending on the day. And then the 10 or 15 condition. Um, when I went back and coached, he had changed that a lot to where they were doing much more drilling. Um, and what I guess I would call technique matches and still doing some live, but he had explained to me that the injuries had just gotten too much over the years with guys beating each other up. And so we wrestled a lot of live when I was there, but when I went back and coached, he had changed it to where it was more of a, a technique based and then a, maybe one or two or three, you know, matches and calling it a day. I mean, and going back as a coach, that is something where everyone who is a great wrestler, when they go coach, they say, man, I really understand it a lot more now. Did, was, did that happen to you? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, uh, if I, I was probably a hundred times better wrestler when I was a coach than I, when I, than I was when I was a wrestler. But I think it's because you take time to actually learn the sport and break it down. You know, like when I was competing, I was really just focused on winning. And so I was going to do the same couple moves, you know, the same situations, control this, control that. But when I went back as a coach and you're explaining how to do stuff and you're going through all these situations, it just, it was almost a little depressing how much better I probably could have been <laughs> if I had really taken the time to, to break things down. But yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I was so much better from a technical standpoint as a coach and just learning the positions. And I don't know, my focus was more, you know, I think sometimes when your coaches are showing your stuff, your mind starts to wander off over here. And so it, you're hundred percent right though. I was way better as a coach. And also like the tournaments you thought were a big deal at the time, they kind of lose their prestige and their shine a little bit. And you go back to it and you're like, how the hell did I used to get nervous for this piece of shit? You know, <laughs> oh, no, they, don't, they don't matter at all. That, that was the craziest thing was like, I'm kind of a high strung guy anyway, like high anxiety. And so DJ would always have to like calm me down. Cause to me, every match was like the world championship. I mean, the kid could have a losing record and I'd, somehow find like the one guy he beat or had a close match with that was somewhat good, you know, <laughs> and you go back and you look and you're like, none of it matters. No one ever asked me how I did at the central Missouri open or the, you know, whatever, like no one's ever brought that up. And it's like, why was I getting so bent out of shape? I could have just focused on getting better instead of worrying about this. It, yeah. It makes no sense. It's funny to look back on it, especially if you get a chance to get into the coaching right away, um, right after it, it's, it's a whole different thing. So you mentioned you had some anxiety and some just high strungedness throughout your life. What about like going into the match your sophomore year with Thad Benton? That's the, the one of the last times you lost in the division two ranks that I could find. Yeah. Um, he's a defending champ. What were you, where, where were you at mentally going into that one? Uh, so I'll be honest. I was, I was pretty relaxed. Um, I, I never, here was the weird thing. I would get more nervous about the semifinals or the quarterfinals than I ever did about the finals. I don't know why. I just felt more relaxed, like, well, this is it. You know, win, lose, or draw, this is pretty much how it's going to go. Um, the thing about him that was interesting was I, I made a pretty fatal mistake, and I should have known better than to do it because Cole Province had wrestled him several times in the years prior when he was at 33, mm -hmm. and Cole was really, really good. I mean, Cole beat some really good guys. He went out to universities and took third so really good and he had told me he was good on top and that he was kind of a funky mat wrestler type guy well I got the first takedown and I was up to nothing but I threw a leg in in the second and he hit a finale roll and put me on my back and turned me and then Oof. after that I, I should have just probably cut him and just tried to stay on my feet with him he was way more experienced and a, a better mat wrestler than me at the time and Cole had told me to watch out for that 
and it, I just didn't listen. I was young and stupid, but, um, I wasn't nervous about it. I was, I was pretty relaxed because no one expected anything of me either. You know, like I was just a kid who got second or sixth the year before. So like, I wasn't expected to win that match anyway, but. You know. So even after you had turned the corner, you had, you were still the underdog in that match. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cause he had, uh, I'm trying to think he got fifth his freshman year and then he didn't make way to sophomore year. And then he won it his junior. And then obviously the year he beat me. Um, so, I mean, he was the defending champ. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. I mean, it, you know, he, everyone kind of knew who he was and I was just like a guy again, that, it's probably like a surprise to be in the finals. So it wasn't, there was no pressure on me. Um, but he was, he was smart. He knew what he was doing and, and he was, he was better that day for sure. And the next year was your junior year. Why do you tell people that the junior year was like one of the best years of your life in a wrestling sense? Well, there was a lot of reasons. Um, obviously I won it. So that, that made it good. And I was undefeated, which was, I'd never done in my life ever. So that was, that was awesome. But the main thing was that the team won it. And that's by far the best feeling when your team wins it too. And the reason it felt good was because most of those guys were on that team that got 11th. And so we'd kind of clawed back up and, you know, people were kind of, you know, probably like, Oh, these guys aren't any good. You know, they got 11th and and we'd all stuck it out and kind of got some of that, that respect back that I think we were wanting. And so that was probably the funnest year I had wrestling. Now we took some lumps. Carney put it on us pretty bad in a duel. Um, and you still beat him at nationals. Yeah. They smoked us in the duel. I think we won three matches against him in the duel and we wrestled them and we got, we got smoked pretty good. And then we turned around and drove to Omaha and had to wrestle Omaha the next night. And we actually, we beat Omaha though. And I think that was the turning point for us was we're like, okay, we can, we can go with all these people. We just had an off night, but yeah, it was an, it was a really awesome. Anytime you can be on a team that wins, it's, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's just really cool feeling. I wish I knew what you were saying, man. There was, I've never been on one of those, but everyone I have on here who said, who has been on a, you know, a team and the culture, they say it's just unbelievable. Like it makes it so much more fun. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, I won it my senior year and I was proud of that and I was happy, but I can tell you it wasn't even close to the feeling of my junior year when the team won. It was a totally different experience. And is it because like you had already achieved the high of winning the individual title and that the repeating wasn't as good or was it that it was more the team factor? Uh, I think it was both. It was a weird year. So I roomed with some guys that were actually a year ahead of me. And so my senior year, they were all done wrestling. I was the only one still wrestling in that house. Mm. And so a lot of my, like my workout part of that I drill with every day, a lot of my buddies, they weren't wrestling. So it was kind of a weird deal anyway. We had some new guys on the team. Um, we had some guys quit. It was just kind of real up and down year. Um, so obviously I, mean, I was, I was grateful to win and thankful, but it was just the dynamic was kind of off. We had some mid-year transfers to fill some weights and it wasn't, the chemistry just wasn't quite the same um, as the year before. So it was just a, a weird deal. Yeah. When you're the only one in that house, still cutting, still working hard. Oh, that's, that's miserable. Horrible, man. It was just, I mean, they weren't, they were pretty good about it because they knew, but I mean, you're talking about 21, 22 year old guys, they're going to do what they're going to do and have fun and, you know, let you figure it out. But they weren't, they weren't too horrible, but it was a weird deal being the only one having to go to practice and stuff. We got to go back to your junior year undefeated, knowing the schedule you guys wrestled. How many D1 guys did you knock off that year? Uh, probably five or five or six. I mean, mostly the opens. We used to do OU every year back then. So that was one. And then the Missouri Open, I wrestled a couple guys that had been all Americans there um, and some Missouri guys. I mean, that's just a undefeated season, national champion at the NCAA level, really historic. And, and then repeating. Uh, taking the team part out of it, what's the uh, how would you compare the process of of repeating versus winning the first one? Hold on, can you say that again? You cut out for a sec. No problem. I said taking the team race out of it. How would you compare the the process of winning the first one versus repeating a second time? Oh, it was way harder the second time. Way, way, way harder. Um, Isn't that crazy? A, Everyone says that. Yeah, it was. Uh, which, I mean, I, I listened to your Chris Perry one, and he pretty much nailed it, nailed it all exactly, you know, how it is. But it was harder to get 
motive. I don't know that it was harder a little bit to get motivated because you'd done it. You were expected to do it at this point. Everyone kind of just, it's like when you win it, everyone just assumes you'll win it again. And that's mm-hmm. not, that's not how it always works. Um, so it was a lot harder from that standpoint. And then, you know, you're kind of everyone's on any level, whether it's NAIA, JUCO, whatever you, all of a sudden you're the one, you're everyone's big match. So to you, it might just be a match at whatever tournament or duel, but to them, it's like a, a proving ground type of deal. You know, they all yeah. want to be, and you're going to get, you're going to get everyone's best match. And I know you're supposed to always go out there with your best in mind, but you have off nights, you know? And so it was, uh, it was way harder, like it, not even close, way harder. Man, but you still got it done. When you were done with it all, were you relieved? Were you sad? What were you feeling when senior year, when it was all over? I was, I was relieved at first. Um, you know, like when you're wrestling, when you're a kid, it seems like you're just always going to be wrestling and last forever. And you're going through the weight cuts and the practices. And I always used to make the joke that, you know, like when I was in college, I was like, well, I'm three years done with my five-year sentence or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> but you miss it, you know, and, and you start to get sad about it and you miss the relationships you have. Um, and you can say whatever you want. Maybe some people are better at it than others, but it's, it causes some identity issues for wrestlers. No I mean, doubt. It's, it's who you are, you know, it can so, go on for 30 years, five years or a week, but yeah. it happens. Guys, forever. I know, yeah. They still struggle with it. I mean, to this day, but it's, you go from that was like how people would introduce me like you know this is kyle evans the wrestler like that's just how i was you know like oh he wrestles a uco or whatever and you get used to that and you go from being pretty confident what you do or maybe pretty good at it into the real world where you're just no one cares anymore you know it's like you're proud of it but you're just starting over at the bottom again and so it it really it can mess with your head so it it was kind of a lot of emotions, you know, but that was one for sure that took some time to deal with. Any tips for those listening on how to move past that, that or that work for you? Yeah. I mean, you can stay involved with it. You know, sometimes people that struggle with it though, as coaches, they have a hard time coaching too, because they still want it to be about them instead of about the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always the people who like, I don't know if you ever did this. I did this, but as a freshman in college, I went to junior college and I went back to my high school homecoming as a freshman in college. And yeah. you think it's going to be like it was the year before when it's you're having fun, but really you get there and you just don't, you feel like you're out of your element. You never should have been there anyway. And I feel like a lot of yeah. coaches, like that's how they feel when they are doing it for the wrong reasons like that, you know? Yeah. And coaching's hard too. Like I'm coaching was harder than wrestling as far as like not everyone thinks the same way you do or wrestles the same way you do, or just, just telling someone to tough it out. doesn't work for everyone. Like everyone's different. And just because that worked for you. So it can be really hard from the identity crisis standpoint. I mean, I try to find something that, that you're passionate about, whether it be work or somewhere else you can compete. You know, I know guys that do different things. They get into coaching because they want to, you know, compete or sales is really good. You know, just, you got to find something else. And you just got to be okay with, Hey, that chapter of my life's over. I can still be involved in things, but it's not, it's not who I am. You know, like people, I'm just Kyle. Now they don't say Kyle, the wrestler, you know, and you just got to be okay (laughs) with that. Yeah. It's a, you know, when you're in the business world, it's amazing to think about how little people care about any, anything you've done, like in a statistical format, you know, they love the lessons that you got. And a lot of sales leaders love college athletes, you know, but not because of the, the results or the, the stats it's because of the lessons learned you know yeah no my, my boss now he uh he wrestles in high school for tuttle which is like a huge you know mm-hmm. program nationally or whatever but uh he he said that same thing but he said for him when he hired me it was more important that i didn't win it every year because he wanted someone that could come back from not getting what they wanted and keep working towards mm-hmm. things and you know overcome that adversity so there's a lot of lessons you can get from it but yeah it's a uh, it's hard to let go, man. Definitely. And, you know, some of the people from that UCO team, I don't know if you were involved with them who kind of stayed in wrestling. Have you, are you friends with the people who run near fall? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, who are those guys? I forgot about them. Yeah. So they were super, super good wrestlers. Um, so Matt was that they're twins, obviously Matt was the bigger one and he was a national champion. 
And then Mark was the younger one and he was a two time champ and got third once, but uh, they were still there like kind of coaching, helping when I first got to school and they were like, I was like sandwiched between their weights at the time. So they, they used to take turns just destroying me, man. Like they were hammers on top. I mean, they beat me so bad. It was Matt, maybe the bigger one. He came in one day, he wasn't actually coaching, but he beat me so bad. My freshman year, I like went in the hall and was just like leaned against the wall. Like, dude, I'm never going to be able to close this gap. These guys are way too much. Like, <laughs> They're way too good. They're so much better than me. I'll never be able to like close this gap, but they, uh, they're the nicest guys in the world off the map, but on the mat, they are vicious, man. Dude. So funny. So I was down in, um, what's the Amarillo, Texas this mm -hmm. past April doing some interviews with Brandon Slade's family. And yeah. we get done with the interviews. My cousin and I are driving to grab a bite. We take a wrong turn and we're, we pass the near fall factory. And I'm like, no way is that near fall wrestling. Like that's crazy. So we go knock on the door. They're not there. We're getting in our car, ready to leave. They pull back in these two twin brothers. And I'm like, Hey, I run the podcast and they gave us a tour. Couldn't been nicer, but dude, the, those dudes seemed hard, man. Like they had a, a workout gym above their uh, clothing factory, kind of where their office is at. They built it all themselves. They said their dad was like a Big time construction guys. So they just seem like tough nosed dudes, man. Like they would get man, the job done. They are. They they're they'll give you the shirt off their back, but if you're lined up against them, it is not. I mean, they play for keeps. It's no no joking around. But they super nice guys, incredible wrestlers. But yeah, they they've done a really good job with that near fall deal, man. It started like in their garage with nothing, and it's it's pretty well known now. Have you ever been to their shop down in Texas? I, I haven't. I haven't. I need. I've. It's awesome. Is it? I've never seen it. Is it just like a retail store that it? So that part's not even the cool part. They do have a little retail store. I don't imagine many people in Amarillo are going in there, but the, the cool part is that their factory, they have like, they're the t-shirt supplier for Tulsa nationals. Mm -hmm. So they have all these old school Tulsa nationals banners. They have wrestling stuff all throughout their, their uh, kind of warehouse. And then in their printing building, which is next door, they have this workout area that I was telling you about where it's like, beautiful hardwood floors they redid everything sauna jujitsu mats it's just like uh like if any place you'd want to work that's the place that you'd want to do it at it's just so cool so much wrestling stuff there yeah they did uh when i was coaching at uco maybe my third year there or something like that they had kind of started to get bigger with that and they made some different like you know customized tights and shirts and stuff like that for us and you know they're they're awesome guys yeah how crazy yeah i, I had to had to ask as we were winded down at it just pains me. I forgot their names before this episode, but couldn't have been nicer. And uh, I love those guys. Would would love to meet again. As we wind down here, I, a couple of questions just from the interview that you mentioned, I want to come back to. What was your daily eating habits? You said you ate the Man. same thing every day. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, so I would get up in the morning and I basically would just have like a protein shake and usually some oatmeal because for some reason the oatmeal made me feel more full. I don't know if it was mineral or not. Um, I'd go to class and then for lunch, I would get like those little, it wasn't like healthy. It just seemed healthy to a college kid, but like little healthy cuisine, little meals deal, you know, Link cuisine, Link cuisines. I'd eat one of those. Um, I drink some coffee before practice. And then after practice, I'd usually have like another either lean cuisine or just depend if one of the guys made something I'd, I'd eat it, but I'd use something smaller, but basically that was it every day. It was, it was pretty pretty boring and pretty mundane for the most part, but it, it worked. For me, so, cause pretty if I gave miserable. myself too much, yeah, if I gave myself too much variety, I'd overeat every time, every time. And so I just was like, I know at least with this, I'll lose some weight eventually. Dude, even to this day, if I see an open tub of ice cream, it's hard for me not to just kill the whole thing while standing in my oh, kitchen. I know my wife all the time. She's like, cause I'm, I don't eat very healthy now. And I'm like, I swear it did something to my like brain or something. That if I see it, I'm like, I've got to eat it. Cause I might not be able to have it later, which there's no reason I wouldn't be able to have it later, but it's just like, it clicks on me. I'm like, I got to eat it. I can't let it sit there. Dude, you're so lean. You don't eat healthy. I thought you were like some marathon runner or something. Just by the way, you, you look, by the way you look. No, I mean, I, I still run and I still work out some, but, uh, I've never, I mean, I've never been real good nutrition wise. That's why it was like, <laughs> at least with that, I know that I won't, I can lose some weight. Um, but there's much healthier eaters than me out there, but no, I've just, you know, I work out, but I, I'm not, I don't know, man, the diet thing's hard for me. It kills me. 
I swear to God, it's a real thing that a lot of wrestlers have just like the, the overeating or the binge eating. And, uh, yeah, man, I used to be a horrible binge eater. Yeah. I've gotten better with that, but that was a bad deal. Like I'd eat till I got sick. And I'm like, <laughs> It's embarrassing. It's so pathetic. I know it's, it's ridiculous. All right. Other thing I wanted to ask you that we didn't get to, I read in one of your player bios that you were a pool player for fun. Was that just joking around or is that? No, we, we, we had a, um, at our house in college, we had a pool table that one of the guys brought in. So, and my parents had one too. So we used to play all the time. I haven't played much lately, but we used to play a lot. Um, I mean, we didn't have anything else to do. So, you know, during season we played a lot of pool and played a lot of video games. Nice, man. Well, it's been really fantastic to have you on the show. And I haven't asked anyone this in a really long time, but I, I figure I'd ask you last question for you, Kyle Evans. How did wrestling change your life or what's been the biggest impact for you? Uh, I think for me, probably the thing that's done the most is, you know, I know we always talk about mentally strong and keep going. Others won't. And I think that's a lot of it. But I think where it's really helped me is if things are going bad and whatever I'm doing or they're not going my way. I still believe that I can win. I'm not just going to keep going. I still think I can win. And if things are going good, it makes it hard for me just to be complacent with it. You know, and I feel like I still have to keep doing something to get better. Or someone's coming after you or whatever. I mean, it sounds kind of paranoid, but those things are, are where it's helped me. Like if it's going bad, I still think I can win. I'll just figure out a way to do it. And if things are going good, it, it keeps me, you know, still thinking about someone chasing you and I got to do a little bit more. So I think for me, that's where it's really helped me the most. I love it, man. Any last words before we hop off here, Kyle Evans? No, man, I appreciate it. I love your show. I'm honored to be on here. You've had some huge names on here, so I don't know how I got here, but I I really do appreciate it. And and, uh, thank you for taking the time, man. It's been a lot of fun, man. If I'm ever down in, you're around Oklahoma City area? Yes, sir. Yeah. If I'm down there, man, I'll definitely make a point to stop by and grab a beer. And if you go to the... uh, Iowa Oklahoma State duel down in Texas this year. I think I'm going to yeah. that. So let me know. I got some buddies going, so I'll let you know. Awesome, man. Thanks again. Right. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.